What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ready Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Llewellyn. Happy Friday night, Matt. How you doing this evening? I'm hanging in there, Zach. Ready for some football this weekend. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, I think both teams have some injury issues going in. It's going to be interesting to see if the 49ers can carry momentum from last week. All around, man. I'm just ready for football. Yeah, definitely. Um, guys, head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash 49ers Hive. Join there so you guys can share your thoughts and we can interact with your comments. If you're watching through Twitter right now, we can't see or interact with any of your comments. So make sure you come to our YouTube, hit subscribe. We want to interact and talk some football with all you guys. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We got a pretty cool show for you guys planned tonight. Um, obviously, this game has huge implications because it's kind of, a, a, I guess, a tell of how the rest of the season is going to go. We saw the 49ers start to get the ship righted, I guess, get back on track against the Bears on Halloween, Matt. But how much value do you put into that win? Um, they now face a beat-up Cardinals team. Possibly without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they didn't practice, it seemed like, all week, if I remember correctly. And Coach King, uh, Cliff Kingsbury said that they don't need to practice. Specifically, Kyler didn't need to practice once to play on Sunday. Is this a Cowboys and Dak situation that they did last week, or do you really think there's a chance he might play without practicing at all? I think it's going to be a game time decision. I think that they're you know trying to give him as much rest as possible. I know that the ankle they originally said it was going to be a one to three week injury. I, I think they've said at the very least, even if he does play, there's going to be some limits there. So the time is right for the 49ers to kind of jump on Kyler Murray and, and force him into some mistakes. He might not be as mobile as he usually is, and that will just play into the 49ers' favor. But they definitely, the team definitely has to take advantage of, you know, Hopkins is less than 100%, Murray less than 100%. They got to do something, man. No J.J. Watt. Listen, it's it's lining up just right. We're getting, you know, George Kittle back. It's lining up all aces for the 49ers, so they need to take care of business at home and get their first home win in over a year. Oof, that, yeah, that, that, that hurts there, that last bit. I'll be there. So hopefully it's it's something entertaining. Hopefully it's something that the 49ers can pull off. And I think they can. Uh, Leonardo Cruz said, you know, we beat the Cardinals. They got pretty close to beating them, and that was with Kyler Murray. So hopefully the 49ers are able to instill a nice game plan um, and get the job done the second time because I think it's a winnable game, and I don't want to bite my tongue or eat my words in a couple of days once this game happens, but – I do think that the 49ers have a good shot. Um, before we get into this preview, though, the big news of this week, obviously, Matt, Odell Beckham Jr. will be released, I believe, officially Monday. And teams, fans of all teams are kind of begging for Odell to get claimed or signed to his team, depending if he clears waivers or not. How do you think that plays out? And do the 49ers have a realistic chance of landing him? Um it's tough to say. I think that Odell – so it came out that Odell is actually um, – the last two years of his contract are going to be voided. So he'll be a free agent after the year. So he really is kind of more in the driver's seat than we initially thought. I initially thought, hey, why not just um, – you know, why, why not just uh, pick him up, a bad team, whatever. He's still under contract for two years. See what you have in him at least. But Odell has enough in the tank that – in terms of cachet and, and, and in terms of, of leverage with his contract being voided that he can avoid, he can, I mean, his agent can just come out and say, we're not playing for Jacksonville. We're not playing for Detroit. We're not playing for these bad teams. 
you know, I know a lot of people are speculating New Orleans. New Orleans has nobody to throw it to him. Um, it really does seem like he's going to be more in the driver's seat than initially thought. But as far as the 49ers go, I don't know if they have a realistic shot to get him. They'd have to move around some money. I know Parag's good at that. But at this point, they're in a quarterback controversy. So even if they kind of wanted Odell, would he want to come here? And then you have to, you know, we just have a story where Brandon Ayuk gets into it with Kyle Shanahan. Do you want to bring on another wide receiver who could potentially be a headache? There's a lot going into this that we really don't know. The Brandon Ayuk story was very, very interesting. We'll get into that a little later, but yeah, I mean, um, as far as Odell, I do think that the 49ers should at least look into it if he's clears waivers and they have a shot, but that's a good point. I mean, do they even have a realistic plan if they acquire him to get him involved? Um, It seems like if he's not, I don't want to say motivated, but like a hundred percent in it, then he kind of, he kind of quits. Um, we saw a little bit of that with New York. It looks like we saw that right now with um, the, the Browns. So if the 49er season quickly takes a turn for the worst, are we going to get a locker room diva type personality? The 49ers definitely don't leave. Um, yeah, Joey says there's so many hoops we have to go through to get OBJ. The only feasible uh, way to get him is if we're his number one option and he makes the money work, which at this point in his career, maybe he would. But I just think that there are much better options for him, especially if he's trying to chase a ring. Um, and this is all, you know, again, depending on him clearing waivers, if he even has a shot. Um, so, again, that will be official as of Monday the 8th. The Cle- Cleveland Browns, excuse me, will officially release him. Um, it was a bit interesting, though, how that whole situation played out. Um, Leonardo says we should try it. Take some pressure off of Kittle and Debo. We're getting Kittle back, Matt. George Kittle, Jeff Wilson, um, they all started practicing this week. And I believe Kyle said that Jeff Wilson – or excuse me, George Kittle should play on Sunday. And Jeff Wilson might play on Sunday. How much does this help, this offense, getting these two guys back? It, it should help. Um, but again, we're we're going to be talking about the limitations of the quarterback position. Um, it really comes down to you know you can talk about what Kyle can scheme up, you can talk about the weapons, you can talk about this and that. But as of right now, Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter. He has to go out there and get it done. So whether that's hey get Kittle more involved, whatever, he just needs to make the right reads, limit his mistakes, and get the ball into the red zone and put points on the board. Plain and simple, we can't have situations where we go six points and a half, nine points and a half, you know, three points and a half or whatever, whatever the case may be. Otherwise we're going to start seeing Trey Lance uh, a little bit more and more. So they can do it. They just have to show they can do it. And really it comes down to Jimmy being consistent and stacking week upon week. Um, that's going to be the key thing. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, we saw the beginning of last week, the game against the bears. It was very, Slow. I'll, I'll put it that way. Slow from the 49ers offense against one of the worst ranked defenses in the league statistically. And 49ers fans were kind of expecting a little more. And I'll, I'll just say there was that rumored story. Grant Cohn was the one who reported on it saying that uh, him and Kyle Posey of Niners Nation happened to see uh, Kyle and Jimmy having somewhat of an animated discussion on the sidelines prior to the last drive of the first half. And the According to Crank Cone, which put as much you know weight behind this as you like, he said that 
he had a source tell him that Kyle told Jimmy, and again, parents, if you have kids watching, cover their ears, uh, this is simple shit, Jimmy. Can you do it or not? And then we saw Jimmy Garoppolo go out, go deep for Debo, and led the team to a scoring drive. Should have been a seven, but it was three. That's all right. Um, yeah. So it looks like there. If this is true, and again, people, if you don't believe Grant Cohn, that's perfectly fine. That's your that's your uh, right. If it is true though, and I kind of do believe it, it seems like there's a little bit of tension there at the quarterback position, and perhaps Kyle was ready to make that change to Trey if Jimmy didn't lead the drive to get points. What do you What do you think about that? I mean, it's hard to say what Kyle is, what's truthful coming out of his mouth, and what is kind of like. Is he paying lip service a little bit to, um, you know, to to what fans want to hear? Because I know he feels the the pressure from the fans. I know that you know he knows that the fans are tired of it. I know that he's kind of tired of it, but he kind of has to ride the line between the vets and the people who want to see Trey play and all that good stuff. There's just been a lot of double talk, and so I, I just don't know what I believe at this point. But I do know that if Jimmy doesn't get things done and they lose games, that's when you're going to see Trey. And there's going to be no if ands or buts about it. If they're losing, Trey is getting in there, like no question. Um, because at that point, like, what are you playing for? You know. So Jimmy, Jimmy has to feel that pressure right now. Um, and if he doesn't, then I mean, he's even more. Uh, you know, ready to get out of here than we thought. So he's really playing for his next job. So yeah. you would hope that I, he could do again, like, like Joey Arredondo says, he's an eighth year vet, fifth year in the offense. Um, and he's still asking Jim if he can do the simple stuff. That's wild. Yeah. Like you wanted to see him do the simple stuff. He's playing for his next job, plain and simple. I agree. Um, it, it, it's tough. It's a tough situation. The 49ers are in, but they're at least somewhat prepared. They may not have gotten Trey Lance as far along as they'd like, but he's there. It's not last season where the backups are Nick and CJ. You actually have a viable option if Jimmy doesn't, you know, get it get it going. Um, but yeah, also I, I forgot to mention Robbie Gold is also coming back this week. So the 49ers waived uh, kicker Joey Sly, who had uh, been filling in for Robbie. So the 49ers will get the veteran kicker back along with Kittle and possibly uh jeff wilson jr and i i think that there's so much going on this this season but definitely going into this week because it's like i said it earlier and it really is like where this season can go lies so much on this week because if the 49ers go out there and lose to a colt mccoy led arizona cardinals team that's going to be pretty ugly and the fans are going to let the 49ers hear it um however if they get the job done, take care of business, get the dub. Now they're four and four. And yes, they're heading into a pretty tough Monday night matchup against the Rams that I think almost everybody thinks they're not going to be able to win. But then they're still, you know, four and five. So speaking, just looking ahead a bit, a lot rides on this game. And we'll get into our predictions and all that later, Matt. But just general feeling, how are you feeling heading into Sunday? Good about it, bad about it. It's a double-edged sword. This team seems to play much better on the road, um, as evidenced by them not winning any games at home since last year. Um, I want to see them come out with energy, come out with fire, and just from from the gun to the to, you know from pillar to post, from beginning to end, just have a solid outing all the way around. I don't think they've put that game together yet. I think they they have it in them, 
this vulnerable Cardinals team is it's time to take advantage of that. Like I said earlier, even if Kyler Murray plays, he's going to be injured. So you want to see what, what they can do and and you want to take advantage of somebody who's in downstate. You have to play above the level of your opponent, especially when they're in a position that's going to be inferior to you. There's no excuse not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I, I'm looking up their injury report right here, and I saw, let's see, as of earlier today, this is from uh, Darren Urban of Cards Chatter. No Kyler Murray, uh, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Rashard Lawrence. Um, it's it's the scenario Cliff Kingsbury basically predicted. No practice this week, but he and Kyler both said he st- could still play, and he would anticipate Murray as a game-time decision. So it looks like they're going to try and stretch it out as long as possible. My old only point about all this is why risk it? I mean, they've lost one game this season, and you're going to put them out there, possibly, possibly, risk being out there and injuring that ankle more? I mean, does it really make sense? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I I don't know. I never play the – like, they're either ready to go or they're not. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't matter if it's Kyler Murray. doesn't matter. I mean, Debo and, and – uh, D Ford are questionable this week or whatever. If you think you can go, then you go. If you don't, then hold them back. I, I don't play this like, do you risk it? Like, this isn't the NBA where they have 82 games or, or baseball where they have 162 and you can lose a guy for five games and it doesn't really matter or whatever. Every week matters in the NFL. Um, and it's it's pretty tight for that last wild card spot. So, you know, it's it's pretty tight at the top of the division, too. So whether you're Arizona or whether you're the 49ers, every game counts. And if your guys think they can go, let them go. Because if you're playing to not get people hurt, I mean, it's football. Like, you cannot play. It, it's similar to when a team has a lead in the second half and then they start playing not to lose. And inevitably what happens? They lose the lead and stuff like that. So it's like, who's to say, even if they left – you know, didn't play a game or whatever when they came back that they weren't going to get hurt then. Oh, what happens if they get hurt then? You know what I mean? So you, you just, you make your best informed decision. The player's always going to want to play. And if there's no extended or, or imminent risk of them getting hurt more than you play them. I don't, I don't believe in this. Oh, I got to maybe, maybe they'll get hurt. So maybe they shouldn't play that, that to me. That's, that's coaching cowardly. Okay. I like that. Um, and yeah, that, that's a good, I mean, like you said, it's not baseball, it's not basketball, 17 games now, each one counts and it is a tight race at the top of the NFC. Um, man, I, I mean, I just feel like maybe it's the 49ers fan and he's just trying to get some optimism going and saying, why risk it Cardinals? Just sit them out. Let Colt McCoy play. Um, maybe oh, I mean, as a, as a fan, for yeah. sure. I hope Kyler Murray doesn't play. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm 50 50 on that too, because I want them to play the best people possible and then, you know, beat them because then that makes them look better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's a good point as well. Then you'll start to hear the, Oh, well they didn't even have, which I think is funny. And I saw, I don't know who it was exactly pointed out on Twitter. My apologies. I should have written it down, but they said, you know, nobody discounted the wins against the Niners when people said, Oh, we beat the Niners. Well, yeah, we didn't have a quarterback running back tight end. I mean, just from the Cardinals beat the 49ers. Oh, Green Bay celebrated that last year. Remember? Green Bay as well. Yeah, exactly. So you can only play. You've said it a thousand times on this show. You can only play who's in front of you. And that's all that matters. Um, so you touched on Debo and D4. The injury report officially going into the Cardinals as of today. Jimmy Ward and Mo Hurst are both out. 
and Elijah Mitchell, Debo, and D Ford will all be questionable. Um, which of the three injuries do you think concerns you the most? I mean, Debo, of- obviously. Okay. It's, he's been the entire offense, essentially, in terms of the passing game. Um, I mean, the, the separation between him and the second most receiving yards on the team is pretty astronomical. So you, you get concerned with that. Kittle's coming back. Ayuk seems to be on an upswing, so maybe you can weather the storm. But it just looks like Debo is playing on a different level. So if he can't go or like he's not as effective, that's really going to hurt this offense. And they're going to have to find a different way to move the ball and get points because you can't just have Debo. I mean, even to the point where Debo's so good this year, he's bailed Jimmy out of a couple of interceptions because he's been able to come back to the ball, catch it, and then still make something happen. So that's the one. I mean, that's, that's, he's been their entire offense. So uh, to me, that's the one that's most concerning, obviously. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think you could make the argument for Elijah Mitchell just because of how much he gets the offense going on the ground. Um, but if Jeff Wilson Jr. plays, Jermichael Hasty's back. And, and, hey, Trey Sermon is still on this roster. Although, how, how likely do you think it is that he's inactive come Sunday if Jeff Wilson gets the call? Not likely. <laughs> not likely. I don't know what it is, but he does not seem to be in a position where Kyle wants to have anything to do with him. And it's unfortunate because they wasted such a high draft pick on him. But I mean, he's sitting there just on the sideline week after week, after week, after week, just this, you know, healthy scratch or, uh, you know, or he's active and he's not getting anything. And it's just, it's crazy. I just don't understand what they're doing with him. I, I, you know, you'd think that they were able to do something um, or fit him into the offense in, in one point or another. And I know some people say that, Oh, maybe they're just waiting until, you know, he, you know, Trey Lance is starting because he's a better fit with Trey Lance or whatever. But I mean, listen, my old man, like my old, my old, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers back in the day, Macho Man Randy Savage, he said the cream always rises to the the top. So I don't know, man. He seems like he's, he's like a lump of coal. You know what I mean? So I don't know what's going on with him, but it's disappointing. And I don't know what the coaches want to do with him to me overall but if jeff wilson jr plays i he's not going to be active i agree with you there um and, and people are saying you know it's the whole uh package for trey lance and oh once trey lance gets the reins then we're going to see trey sermon and we're going to see aaron banks and Jalen moore and they're going to make the switch to all these guys i think that's kind of weird if that really is the case because like you said if they can play and help the team win now when they desperately need these wins, why not play them right now? Um, and if I remember correctly, Trey Sermon is averaging like four yards a carry. Um, or he currently is, I think, still averaging about four yards a carry. And he can't seem to get any carries. I don't think he got a single one against the Bears. So Elijah Mitchell potentially not playing, I think, could really hurt this offense. Um, and it would just have to fall on perhaps Trey Sermon or Jeff Wilson. Um, we'll have to see. I'm so excited to get George Kittle back, though. And you talked about, excuse me, uh, Brandon Ayuk and how it seems like he got this whole situation hopefully behind him. Um, Tim Kawakami of The Athletic put out an article, I believe it was yesterday, talking about how him and Kyle had words. Well, it was I shouldn't credit only Tim. Brandon Ayuk said it in a press conference, um, but... He basically said, we got into it. I mean, I think the exact quote was, we had some words for each other, and Brandon and I, you kind of nervously chuckled. 
Um, I thought also, just side note, it's a little interesting that they call him Kyle. I mean, I understand he's very young and close to their age, but every football I've, I've been around, any team, it's coach, coach, coach. Granted, there's always been a large age gap. Um, what do you make of this whole Kyle and Brandon Ayuk apparently having it out and bearing the hatchet? It seems like it was something that was needed. Um, there was a big Tim Kalkami did a big article or whatever where like Brandon Ayuk self admittedly like I don't I don't practice well. I wasn't practicing last year, but everybody was hurt, so they had no choice but to play me. Um, so it seems like now that he has expectations, it's one of those things where he needs to learn how to practice and. You know, the Kyle thing, I, everybody calls him Kyle. I feel like um, that's just the nature of the beast or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it's who said I can't remember who said it, but like in college, it's like coach, whatever. Right. But in the NFL, it's your first name because you're all adults. You're all professionals, whatever, whatever. So that that to me is one thing. But Ayuk needing to learn how to practice and self-admittedly needing to learn how to practice to me. One of the things that I saw when we were all questioning, why isn't Brandon Ayuk playing in the game more? Why isn't he playing? And everybody was like, Kyle is being dumb for this and this and this and that. Kyle had a purpose for that. And so it restored a little bit of my faith in Kyle's coaching ability to see that the receiver himself acknowledged, like, dude, I was messing up. And I really needed, you know, and not like the... You know, not like the Dante Pettis last year kind of thing where he said, oh, yeah, you know, it was good for me. But there were no specifics. Like Brandon and I was saying, I'm not practicing the right way. And they're, they, like when I got here, they said, they're going to coach you hard, right? But it's for a purpose. And like he didn't understand that. And now he's starting to get it. And they needed to have those words to kind of get over the hump. And hopefully that's what it takes and that he can definitely, you know, take the next step forward. Yeah. Um, gosh, this whole time. Sorry. I was trying to get my dang the athletic password. Apparently I didn't have it saved in my laptop. So <laughs> I have the article up. And I just wanted to get the actual quotes, um, but you talked about him coming in as a rookie, and he said, "I was a, I came in, I was a day one starter. I didn't practice last year the way they wanted me to practice. Didn't do a lot of things the way they wanted me to do last year, but we didn't have a lot of people. We were hurt at receiver, so I was kind of forced to play. Now it's kind of turning back time and learning those things that I could have been doing that were missed last year. So yeah. that's huge, and we saw it. Um, Sunday, last Sunday, I mean, season high, 44 yards. Yeah, I know it's not crazy, but it's better than what we had seen in the previous, what, six games. So that's big. Um, five games, I think. So I really do think this is Brandon Ayuk turning the corner. And if he's able to get it going and the 49ers able to have two viable threats with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk with the addition of George Kittle. Yeah, man, I- I'm-, I'm excited about that. I really do think that that could be a good offense, even with Jimmy and all of his limitations, because Brandon Ayuk and, and, and Debo are so good after they, the catch, you know, yeah. they got the whole yak bros nickname going two seasons ago or last season. So if this is something they can build on, I'm excited to see what comes from here. And I really do appreciate the openness and transparency of both Brandon Ayuk and Kyle Shanahan talking about the situation. And you said it uh, in the chat, forgive me if you just said it and I missed it, but talking about how this kind of, gained some more respect for Kyle Shanahan for you for mm-hmm. how he handled this whole situation. Um, and I, I also got to give you credit again, Matt, because everybody else, just like you said, was saying, Brandon or Kyle, what are you doing? Use Brandon, Kyle, what are you doing? And you came on here and we're saying, what if Ayuk's just not doing it right? What if he's just not living up to, 
you know, he's not making par. And yeah. sure enough, it does kind of seem like that's what was going on. Yeah. My thing was like, he's playing all these snaps and they're not targeting him. Like part of that has to be that he's just not doing the job well enough that he's not in the position that he's supposed to be in. And he kind of like said that he alluded to it, right. Where it's like, yeah, you can get 10 catches a day or it's like, if you're not in the right spot, they're going to copy you. Even on our dig where you catch the ball if you're not in the right spot, that's that means something, and you have to be there. So I think that that played a huge part in what was going on, for sure. I agree. Um, and, and again, hopefully this is it. But I do think it's telling, too, that how many times did we hear he had a good week of practice? Uh, oh, well, you know, he needs to learn how to practice like a pro. And that just seemed to go over most fans' heads, including myself. I'm not excluding myself from that group. Um but it really does seem like that's kind of where this whole issue was, is that, you know, he wasn't putting in 100% when he wasn't with the ball. I think that's what he even said in the post conference, mm-hmm. is that, you know, I was giving it my all, but it's the plays that don't, you know, shine on me. Yeah. That I need to give it my all as a blocker. I need to give it my all clearing the field. So Yeah, he said something like in practice, like they're looking at you to like run out everything. Like even if you're not catching the ball, you need to run it out. And he's like, I wasn't always doing that. So... Christopher Johnson says, my frustration is it shouldn't have taken so many weeks to have that conversation all in the midst of losing games. You know what, though? Everything in its own time. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it takes, like, hey, is he going to figure this out on his own, or do we need to step in and really say something? And then you have to gauge whether or not the player is going to be receptive to what you're telling him. Because you could have that conversation week one, but if the player's like, nah, screw that, man. Like, I'm doing good. Like, I don't know. I'm still good. Like, imagine trying to have that conversation week 14 last year when Ayuk is like the talk of the NFL, maybe potential, you know, rookie of the year candidate or whatever, and you're trying to tell him this, he's going to be like, nah, it's cool. You have to get him to a point where he's so frustrated with what's going on and knows that part of it is on himself, so that makes him receptive to the coaching that you're trying to give him. Communication's a two-way street. So even if Kyle was like, man, I need to tell him, if Brandon wasn't ready to hear it, then it's just going to fall on deaf ears. And that's something that we don't see in the public eye that you know managers have to deal with in 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 you know the regular working sector that bosses have to do all the time you gotta you gotta manage to your employees you gotta coach to your employees in a way that's like conducive to the way that they're gonna learn and and is the least confrontational while being the most beneficial so they might not have been ready for that conversation until now but now it's out there so let's see what happens moving forward exactly and and like you said everything in its own time Um, perhaps this finally came to a head where it was inevitable. You couldn't avoid it any further. This needs to be said and let's have it out. Let's finally have it out because this could have been a situation where both sides felt like they were a hundred percent right in their own. Um, and perhaps they were able to get through it, bury the hatchet. And now it seems like things are a lot more positive moving forward. Um, Christopher Johnson added fair follow-up to that. I saw a report that Emmanuel Sanders said in 2019, I'm basically the wide receivers coach. Now, should we be questioning Wes Welker? I said this today in the group chat. I don't know if you guys remember. I don't know if you remember if you saw it, Matt. Um, but yeah, Manuel Sanders basically implied that these coach, or excuse me, these wide receivers were not being coached correctly up until he was traded for. And we saw it with the production on the field. Wes Welker is the big name, and a lot of people know him because of what he did on the field. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's giving him a little too much leeway for what he can do with the headset and as a coach? I don't know. I, I think. I think that people overreact to stuff like tell me a professional athlete that doesn't hype themselves up for their own thing. Right. Like I bet you like 
I bet you if you asked Richard Sherman, he'd be like, I coached the DBs here. I was a coach. I bet you if you talk to, you know, go to this team or that team or whatever team, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, like I'm the wide receiver coach now. You know, that's just how it goes. Because you could look at it both ways, right? Like Emmanuel Sanders is gone, and now Debo Samuel is one of the top wide receivers in the league. So is that Wes Welker? You know what I mean? Like Brandon Ayuk is strong, Debo's not. So which one? Which one is Wes Welker? You know what I mean? So you definitely can have a like you can look at it both ways. People want to look at lowest common denominator, like who's the worst person on the team? Like that's who we're gonna go after. That's that the coach should coach up the worst person on the team. Oh, Debo's breakout is all Debo. It's no coaching at all. It's all Debo. Brandon Ayuk struggles. That's all coaching. Brandon Ayuk's too talented to be held down like that. So, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. I mean, you can try to pick it apart like that, but I don't know. I, I I don't think that it's fair to really look at it from either perspective. You just kind of have to trust in the team to do to do what's right. But as far as Emmanuel, like, you know. Of course, he's going to say that. Oh yeah, I was I was the veteran presence that they were that they needed or whatever. You know, that's fair. That's fair. Um, the only thing I'll say in defense of that maybe take is that the results were evident um, once he got to the 49ers. Anything prior to that, Debo was not doing well. KB was maybe doing still okay, but I feel like the wide receivers took a whole another step after um, Emmanuel Sanders got there. And it looked like there was a noticeable decline after he left last season, too. Uh, causation, correlation, I know the whole they don't equal each other. However, it, it, I think it's worth saying. Um, Mike McDaniels, the 49ers offensive coordinator, was asked about Brandon Ayuk, and he said, he's looked like the player we envisioned when we drafted in terms of him having a lot of physical tools, but he also has the mindset and is a young guy who's finally understanding what it means to be a pro and approach every practice as if I'm determining the game. There it is again, Matt. Learning how to be a pro. So it looks, it does seem like that's what the whole situation was. Listen, I'll just say this. I know that you talk about, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, everybody learned how to be a pro. Let me just push back on the Emmanuel Sanders thing. Emmanuel, like there, you say, oh, there was a fall off last year. Well, yeah, Jimmy was hurt all season, so they played with Nick Mullins and, and CJ Beathard. That makes a huge difference. Second of all, the 49ers got Emmanuel Sanders October 22nd, 2019. What was the 49ers record before he got there? Six and oh, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. One. Eight and one, okay. So let's not act like the 49ers absolutely were not winning without Emmanuel Sanders. Like, that's just BS. So, no, they weren't. They weren't. Losing. I mean, you can miss me with all that. Like, I didn't say he was the MVP. I said what he did for the receivers was noticeable. I mean, I guess. I mean, Debo literally said, "I didn't even know how to watch film until Sanders came." So that's worth something, right? I mean, but that's the same thing that they said about Sanu, right? I haven't heard that. Did they say that about Sanu? They were pissed when they cut him because he was like that's an on-field coach. That's true. So maybe it was I mean, just how, a many, veteran how many veteran coaches do you need before you figure it out, dude? And then what's the <laughs> difference between like it's like look at it like this: when you're in high school and your parents tell you, "Oh, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad," right? But your friend's like, "No, nah, that's good." You're gonna roll with your friend, of course. 
like sometimes coaching is just going to like bounce off you a little bit, right? Because you're a professional. You're like, I got this. I'm talented, whatever. But when you have a contemporary tell you something, especially someone who's been in the league, like Emmanuel Sanders, you know what I mean? So for me, it's not, maybe that maybe it's not the coaching that was the issue. Maybe it was that Sanders has the cachet as a player to get through to the player in the way that they need to be gotten through to, despite the fact that the coaches are probably doing the same thing, you know? That's like you're watching I mean, film with the coaches. If you need to, a player to tell you how to figure that out to watch it with the coaches, then like I don't know what to tell you. Someone wasn't doing something right. I'll, I'll leave it there. Either the players weren't I mean, I know you want to pump up Emmanuel Sanders, but I, I think that's a little overblown. I don't care for Emmanuel Sanders one way or another. I just thought that the players said it themselves that he came in and they learned a lot from him. And the stats I thought showed it. Yeah, players say a lot of shit, though. <laughs> Just ask Damon Arnett. Jesus. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> Just so, ask Aaron Rodgers today. Yeah, that's also something we'll leave there. Um, we talked about the 49ers injury report, and again, unfortunately, Debo Samuel showed up on it with that calf injury, which Kyle Shanahan said is worse than last week. Um, Debo wants to play against the Cardinals, so they were going to see – how he feels leading up to Sunday and hope to see how that goes. Um, they don't want to suit him up this per cam Inman just to have him play a couple snaps. Is this that yeah. same kind of calf injury that we had seen the past couple of years from him? Do you think Matt? Well, last year he had the hamstring. Okay. That's so right. That that's was right. different, but it is a lot of lower body injuries, soft muscle tissue injuries or whatever. I might just, I would probably hold him out this week since you're getting Kittle back. Um, give him the Kittle treatment and just just hold him out. Like you're getting a weapon back. You know you got a team that's a little wounded, um, especially like so. See, it really depends because if Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins don't play, I definitely wouldn't play Debo. Like no need. Like even if you even if you don't put him on the injury report as out, just don't play him. Just have him dressed. You can sit on the sideline. Doesn't matter. Like you're probably better than who he'd suit up if you were out. Probably like it'd probably be like what Austin Watkins or whatever who they just signed again. Yep. So I, I would it, it'd be like okay we're gonna roll out we're gonna roll out Ayuk and Sanu and we're gonna roll out with Kittle and we're gonna like hope for the best if there's no Murray and Hopkins. If both those guys play, maybe you take it up closer to a game time decision. But if it was me, I might save him for the Rams because they're gonna need all the help they can get against that Rams offense. That's a good point. Yeah, that next Monday night game is going to be... And it's Monday, so he gets an extra day. Yep, that's going to be a tough one. Um, yeah, if, if no Kyler, no DeAndre, I agree with you. Just rest him. Don't risk further aggravating it. Um, however, if he feels like he's able to go, let him, let him go. Let him, let him take a shot. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of the ball, obviously the big loss... I think it was announced what last week or the week before Kinlaw out for the season. He had yep. surgery. Um, his surgeon released a statement today. Um, let me pull it up real quick and read it to you from Dr. Tim McAdams, Dr. Neil Atrache. I apologize. I probably mispronounced that. Um, and the 49ers medical staff, they said, 49ers defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw recently underwent successful surgery to repair his right knee as persistent symptoms limited Javon's performance. We consulted with medical experts and determined that the best course of action was to perform surgery. Evaluation of the knee and surgery confirmed suspicions that the ACL had chronic changes that would be best treated with ACL reconstruction. This procedure gives him the best opportunity to make a full recovery 
and return to play football in 2022. This sounds like a pretty serious surgery, Matt. I mean, is I it mean, essentially to me it sounds like, hey, we did an ACL repair on it. Like he got an ACL repair done. It healed funky, so we got to do it over. That's what that is. So I don't know. I think to me it, it, it's a good thing because what, however it healed, it was obviously causing him discomfort, which means it was either it was rubbing on something or – you know, it, there, it was impeding some type of like motion or whatever, which could lead to wear and tear, which could lead to it just tearing again. So it's better to do it now than way too long. It, it, just, it just brings about, you know, questions to that whole weird coaching staff says he's injured, but, you know, Kinlaw's on social media being like, no, I'm good or whatever. I, it's such a weird situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really is. Um, prognosis. I know it's tough just going off of what the little statements are from the doctors, but do you think this is something, because it sounds like they had an idea of what the problem was and then the surgery confirmed their suspicions, like they said. Looking forward, do you think this is something that shouldn't bother him anymore, roughly Yeah, speaking? I mean, if they fix it, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, and so they have a suspicion, right? And the way that it works in medicine, it's like, even if, um, you know, oh, on MRI, it says torn ACL. You don't know for sure if it's torn or how bad it's torn or where it's torn until you actually get in there. Imaging can only tell you so much unless you get into the knee and look at it. You're not going to really know for sure. So they had a suspicion. They went in there. They fortunately were confirmed in their suspicion and they were able to hopefully fix it. And it should heal in a way that especially with a professional you know, strength and conditioning team and a rehab team, it should help him out going forward. So, um, you know, hopefully this is something that, I mean, he's probably going to miss into next year, but hopefully once that's done, it's done, you know? Wow. Okay. Well, hopefully that's, and that's not for sure. Right. He could come back. We've seen players, um, late in the year with ACL tears. This, I think they're what I, it's hard. I I think they're just going to re-anchor it, but I don't know for sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it's promising um, because yeah. if it is, like you said, they were able to successfully fix the problem. The 49ers have a hell of a football player on their hands, and this has kind of been the one mm-hmm. nagging problem with him. And I, I kind of hesitate to say problem, but it is a problem because it keeps him off the field. So if they're able to correct uh, it's it. That, it's that same thing, right, where people are like, oh, he's a bust. We should, never should have traded Buckner. He's a piece of crap, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do anything. And then when he plays one game and doesn't play the next, they're like, damn. That run stuffing ability, man. He's so good at run stuff. And it's just so hopefully this kind of gets all that out of the way. Um, I do want to address Christopher Johnson's last mm-hmm. uh, comment, though, where he says, to your point, what about considering a pitch count for Debo and simply getting Ayuk, Kittle, and others more involved? Because I agree we need him for the Rams. Still got to win the game, though. Here's the thing. A calf does not care about your pitch count. Pitch count, the term pitch count is for pitchers who have come back from an injury and you're trying to um, limit their chance of re-injury. Debo's already injured, which means one push-off could strain that calf even more. I mean, we've seen it so many times. Like last year, he tried to go with that hamstring, right? And he was going to be on a pitch count, and he got one carry on a reverse and was out of the game. All it takes is one play, especially with like a calf. You don't want to mess with that too much. I mean, I'm sure Kevin Durant was on a minutes count when he came back for the Warriors and still popped that thing, so you got to be very careful with that kind of thing and, and soft tissue muscle injuries. It's not in terms of a pitch count. It's he's already injured. 
you have to manage that injury, plain and simple. Yep. And and Debo, I think himself, it was either Debo or Kyle said that they don't want to have him out there for a limited number of snaps. Either he's going to play or he's not. Um, yeah. I think the term they use is pitch count, but yeah, exactly. Um, so going over to the Cardinals side of the ball, their final injury report as of today, J.J. Watt obviously out, Richard Lawrence, their defensive lineman, out, running back Jonathan Ward out, safety James Wiggins out, and the three questionable Kyler Murray Wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and offensive lineman Max Garcia. Pretty big names on this injury report. Um, if, you know, Kyler and DeAndre can't go, then Colt McCoy will be suiting up back there. And yeah, they still have a heck of a receiver group without DeAndre Hopkins. But how much of that comes with Kyler Murray, that remains to be seen. Um, I do like the 49ers' chances. I, I like them even if Kyler plays. I like them a lot more if he doesn't. Um, we're going to get into our predictions and all that and then wrap up the show so you guys can get on with your Friday night. But first, let's say a quick thank you to our sponsors, guys. First, we got to say thank you to MyBookie. Head over to MyBookie.ag and enter – excuse me, MyBookie.ag, enter promo code HIVE as an H-I-V-E. Fortnite's got this huge game this weekend, right, guys? Cardinals. 49ers divisional showdown does Kyler play does he not well go check out if they can keep this streak turn the streak I should say into a two-game winning streak I know it doesn't sound like much but it's all we got right now um and then not only that but there's a nice Sunday night game with the Titans and Rams also in the NFC West obviously the 49ers fans are going to be keeping a good eye on that they're going to go toe-to-toe on Sunday night football so you can safely smash the over over at mybookie.ag uh, don't just take my word for it, guys. Head to mybookie.ag, sign up now, use our promo code again, promo code HIVE, to get your first deposit doubled up to $1,000. Deposit $100, they'll match you $100. Deposit 50 or excuse me, $200, will match you $200, all the way up to $1,000. And right now, you'll get a $20 casino chip as well to bet on the MyBookie Casino. Remember, good friends, don't let friends win alone. So have your buddies, use your referral link, mybookie.ag, code hive in the description below and you guys will receive an additional 250% bonus if you refer them as well. So mybookie.ag code a code hive. I can't speak tonight, Matt. <laughs> mybookie.ag code hive. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Next, we want to give a quick shout out to 81 by Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens started his own wine company guy, 81vino.com code hive. 10% off, free shipping on two or more bottles. Go support the great Terrell Owens. Thank you to 81 Vino for sponsoring the show. We appreciate you guys. Next, we got to shout out our gold stamp, as Matt calls it, Acre Gold. Get Acre Gold, guys. Link in the description below. Click on it. You can start buying gold for as little as $50 a month. You no longer have to fork out hundreds of dollars to buy gold. Um, once you reach the market price of two and a half grams, Acre Gold will discreetly send you a nice gold bar or gold stamp as Matt calls it. Cause it is a little small, but it's two and a half grams. I guarantee it next our merch shop. 49ers hype.com code RGS one five as in red gold standard one five 50% off your entire purchase guys. We got a bunch of new merch Debo Trey Lance behind me. Go check it out. RGS one five shop. 49ers hype.com. Thank you to all our sponsors. Go support them because they support us. All right, Matt. 
Wow, thank you very much. Super chat from Chris Johnson. Wow. We win in this game, period. There you go. I love it. I love it. You know, usually I do my pre-game, or I shouldn't say, yeah, pre-game Friday outfit is a red with the gold, and then my Victory Monday is outfit is a similar red and gold, but not the same. But this past two weeks, I've gone with the gold. You got to switch it up when you're on a losing streak. So last Friday, I did the gold. It worked. I had to do it again today. So if so, looks like I got a new Friday outfit going. Um, how much do you expect to see from Trey Lance this Sunday? We didn't see him much last week. Kyle Shanahan basically said it was because of his injury. They didn't want to risk it. What are you expecting? Yeah, oh, man, I feel like he's going to get maybe a little – it's so hard, right, because – We've heard, oh, they're going to do the two-quarterback thing, this and this and that. I really think it's going to depend. I don't think we're going to see much of Trey Lance unless Jimmy's not getting it done, to be honest. Um, maybe a, a third and goal here, a random play there, but not any extended time. Because you, you never right until until that. So um, I would expect Jimmy – is the majority of the game unlike he's just not getting it done that can change okay i mean i i totally agree with that um it seems like gosh outside of the well he played the second half of the seahawks and started the cardinals but outside of that it's been very very limited um he came in for a few plays against the lions a couple of goal line plays against the packers um i don't think he played at all against the eagles and outside of that yeah he didn't play at all last week so i agree with you um I think unless the 49ers have a very, very comfortable lead or Jimmy's not getting it done, we likely won't see him outside of two to three snaps, perhaps at the goal line, um, which is unfortunate because I do think these are very, very necessary for him and his yeah. development at this stage. Thank you, Christopher. Zach says coming with a drip on Victory Mondays. I got to do it to him. Thank you very much. Leonardo says, love this podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate the support. Thank you all. Uh, Matt, let's get into our offensive and defensive MVP predictions, and then we'll wrap it up with the final score prediction. Offensive MVP, who do you got? Um, I am going – you know what? I'm going to go off kilter here, and I'm going to – listen, let's believe the hype. Let's believe that he really did have a conversation. I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk. Let's say okay. five catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Dang, okay. So he double his – season best from last week i like it i like it um for me ooh, this is tough man this really is tough because if debo doesn't play do they go with iuke and if i uh, elijah mitchell doesn't play do they go with wilson do they go with hasty you know what i'm going to go george kittle i knew you were returning gonna... returning from injury you, you were yeah, dancing you around everybody but George Kittle. You gotta, you gotta do it. George Kittle returning from injury at home. I, I think we're gonna see a couple of play action passes where Jimmy's most comfortable. Maybe a couple deep shots down the middle to George, and I think he's going to have a pretty triumphant return. Um, and he seems to always have nice games against the Cardinals. So George Kittle is when my. Baker's not taking his knees out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, George Kittle, offensive MVP. I'm going to go six catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Yep. Solid. Yep. Solid. All right, defense right, going to be easy. Y'all know what I'm going to say. I've been saying it all week. Nick Bosa, three 
force. It's going to happen. It's it's going to happen sooner or later. Against this offense or the defense or whatever, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It could happen. It very well could. Um, look, it's only a matter of time. Nick Bosa is an animal. He's going to get his out there. I could see it this week. Seven sacks this week. games, dude. Yep. He's, he's yeah, he's on fire. Um, defensive MVP for me, this is tough. I don't want to go Fred. Um, I'm going to go maybe a little bit of a sleeper here, but I'm going to go with Eric Armstead. Okay. And they're moving him inside with Javon Kinlaw out. Um, the 49ers, we didn't even talk about this. They traded for Charles Ominihue. I don't even, I, I might be mispronouncing his name. Um, and we'll see how much play he gets, but he will be now kind of replacing Armstead on the edge and Armstead gets kicked inside. I think Armstead looked kind of foolish a bit last week with Justin Fields running around him, spinning around him, getting out of his grips when he had him dead rights. Perhaps we see a motivated Armstead this week. So yeah. I'm going to go Armstead, two sacks. All right. Nice. But he normally doesn't get sacks. So that's it. Um, also, guys, comment your offensive and defensive MVP predictions as well while you're watching. Yep. If you get it right, we'll send you some merch. Final Same scores. with the final scores. Final scores. Final score, exactly. Send them predictions, final score predictions. You get it right, we'll send you merch. Who do you got? Final score. <sighs> Man, it's tough because – we don't know yet whether or not Kyler Murray's playing. That that changes the complexion. I'm going to assume that he does. And so my final score with a limited Kyler Murray is 49ers 28, Cardinals 23. Matt with the win. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I'm going to say he does as well. I don't know why. I just feel like the 49ers aren't going to get completely lucked out, but it's still going to be a – I don't want to say diminished, but an unhealthy Kyler Murray. Um, and I just, I don't know why I get this feeling that if one plays, the other doesn't. So I'm going to say DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play. Kyler Murray plays. And on a hobbled knee, I'm going to say 23-14 Niners. All right. Nine-point win. I like it. I like it a lot. Very good, very good. Yep. So comment your guys' final score predictions down below in the chat. If you hit it right, like we said, we'll send you some free merch. Not one person in two seasons of doing this has gotten it right. Not yet. Somebody it's, will. It's somebody. bound to happen. It's bound to happen, exactly. It's like Bosa, three sacks and a forced fumble. It's going to happen at some point. Yep. Uh, guys, that's going to do it for tonight's show. I want to thank you all for tuning in. This was a nice Friday night. Just got a chance to talk some football with all you guys. Um, come back on Sunday after the game. We'll be live with you guys. So have fun. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Absolutely. Thank you as always for joining us, guys. We can't wait for the game this weekend. So until next time, go Niners.